Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What Are You Talking About? presented by Fenley Road Sports. I'm your host, Bob. Uh, We're coming back to you a lot sooner than we usually do. We took that little break off to end 2015, and we missed a lot of sports to talk about. Uh, so we wanted to, 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 to give you two episodes to, to kick off the new year. We, uh, a lot of things happened, and you know we, we had a great college football discussion, and we threw in some NBA and college and excuse me, not college football, NBA, NHL, and MLS talk at the end of the podcast that's already up on iTunes. This one is dedicated solely to the NFL. The NFL regular season is over. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about, but I forgot to introduce my co-host, my older brother, Chris, man, what's going on? Not much, man. Long time, no talk. It's been a while since we've yeah. done one of these. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it <laughs> feels a little weird already coming back and having uh, a lot to talk about in, in just a day's time, but uh, that's what happens when the NFL regular season ends. We got rewar- awards to talk about, a playoff picture to talk about, and then obviously the infamous Black Monday will come up as well. Um, but let's get into the winners of the NFL regular season. The wild card picture is set. We have a field on the AFC and the NFC side. Uh, Chris, uh, let's just get right into it. What uh, game do you do you want to start with? Let's start with the game that Bengals fans are probably wishing didn't come to fruition. Their home date against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was ten years ago that Carson Palmer had the Bengals looking like a force to be reckoned with. Palmer looked like a surefire Hall of Fame quarterback in 2005. And then the Steelers infamously tore his ACL in that playoff game and went on to win the Super Bowl. That was Ben Roethlisberger's, I believe, third season in the NFL or second season in the NFL. Either way, it was a game that lives in infamy for many Cincinnati Bengals fans and now 10 years later Andy Dalton may or may not play in the upcoming playoff game they've got the Pittsburgh Steelers staring at them a lot of similarities and a lot of bad blood between these two teams and anytime a division matchup materializes in the playoffs it's always fun because there's natural bad blood. Anyone in the NFC North pretty much, excuse me, AFC North, not NFC North, pretty much hates each other. And it's going to be an interesting matchup. It's going to be a fun matchup. And is the question is simple. Will Andy Dalton play this game or not? Because I don't think the Bengals have any chance against the Steelers if A.J. McCarron starts at quarterback. Yeah, I, I... That, that, that's going to tip the scale in, ter- in terms of who's favorited. Uh, if it's A.J. McCarron, I think the Steelers are absolutely the favorite to win the game. If it's Andy Dalton, I think the, the playing field is level. Um, you know, it was the Steelers game that Dalton injured himself uh, on the 13th of December. So, um, yeah, like you said, a lot, a lot of bad blood between these two teams. I think that is the key question slash matchup number one, A.J. McCarron and Andy Dalton. And even if Andy Dalton comes back, is he going to be a healthy B, uh, the same Andy Dalton that we saw this year, which uh, you and I think w- was talented and and streaking enough to overcome the the ghosts that are in his closet in terms of winning a playoff game and w- winning uh, on the big stage. The second matchup for me is whenever you face the Steelers, it's that passing attack. And D'Angelo Williams went down uh, in Week 17 against the Browns. 
he's day to day with a with an ankle injury. He might not come back, but it doesn't matter because Roethlisberger, Bryant, uh, Antonio Brown, Marcus Wheaton, that's a. Uh, uh, an amazing passing attack. If they get going in, in any way, this game could be over very quickly and it can be over in, incredibly quickly. If AJ McCarron is the starting quarterback and the Steelers offense is able to get rolling. Yeah. And the Steelers offense, it's not like they've just been getting rolling against, you know, weak competition. They've put up good numbers against solid defenses over the last couple of weeks. And when Ben Roethlisberger is healthy, the offense is almost unstoppable. Antonio Brown is virtually uncoverable. The guy can beat anyone, anywhere, anytime. The Bengals are going to have their hands full with him alone, but then you mentioned a, a number of other weapons on the Steelers. The big one, though, is D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams brings balance to that offense, and he got hurt against the Browns. They're saying he's day-to-day. It looked bad. In week 17, he could not put weight on that ankle. They were working on him on the sidelines for a while. If he can't play, that's going to change things a little bit for Pittsburgh. But so, and, and let's not knock the Cincinnati defense. It's it's a very strong unit. They are playing at home. I just wonder if the Cincinnati offense has enough to keep up with Pittsburgh, even without D'Angelo Williams, if A.J. McCarron is at the controls because I don't think Cincinnati can win. I don't think they can keep up with Pittsburgh if Andy Dalton is not at quarterback. And if Andy Dalton doesn't get to play, this will be five straight years for the Bengals of playoff disappointments. This one will be the worst of them all because I think if Andy Dalton were healthy, it would be the Cincinnati Bengals sitting at number one in the NFL in the AFC as opposed to the wild card round, potential first round exit. I think they win at least one more game with Andy Dalton and they have home field throughout the playoffs and potentially are looking at a Super Bowl run. So a magical season for Cincinnati could come to a crashing halt this weekend. I expect Pittsburgh to win. What do you think, Bob? Yeah, I I am leaning towards Pittsburgh and that's mainly because uh, from everything I've read, I don't think it's likely that Dalton is going to be ready to play and uh, even if he does come back, I have questions if he can if he can keep up with the Steelers' offense that has been great in the second half. Uh, as soon as Dalton went down, the Steelers just took off in that game. They ended up winning thirty-three to twenty. They, they, I, I think the Steelers are. It's reminiscent of the Super Bowl run that they had uh, almost ten years ago now where they were the, the lowest-ranked team in the AFC, and and they ran through everybody as the away team all the way to a Super Bowl. Steelers feel like a team that you do not want to play because they do have an unbeatable aspect to their team, and that's the passing attack. So I, I, I like the Steelers in this game with or without Andy Dalton. That is the same game I referenced earlier where the Steelers took out Carson Palmer on the very first drive, so... Yes, a lot of similarities. The Steelers getting hot as the sixth seed, and they get the Bengals at home in in Cincinnati, probably without Cincinnati's starting quarterback. And you want to know what's even funnier? If the Steelers win, they get to play Peyton Manning on the road. They beat the fourteen and two Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis. Remember the Jerome Bettis almost fumble on the one yard line. Ben Roethlisberger makes the tackle. 
They beat that team yeah. in the divisional round. So a lot of similarities with the uh, Steelers' 2005 Super Bowl run to their potentially 2015 Super Bowl run. We'll see if they can get it started. I'm not necessarily picking them, but you're right. Uh, the The stars are aligning, and there is a lot of similarities to that uh, now 10-year-old Super Bowl championship. Yeah, certainly. Um, You know, the, the AFC has... Uh, to me, it looks like they have six legitimate contenders for that Super Bowl title. I think all six of the teams that made the playoffs in the AFC can make a run. The guys on top, the Broncos, Bengals, and Patriots, they all have a lot of injuries going for them. And the other three teams, uh, Houston maybe not so much just because they're coming out of the AFC South, but Pittsburgh and now the the, the other matchup that we're going to talk about, Kansas City, that's a team riding a ton of momentum, a 10-game winning streak. They're going to Houston Chris, what do you like about this game? Well, I love the Chiefs. They've won 10 straight. Hard to believe they were 1-5 at one point. And honestly, a Jamal Charles fumble away from possibly winning the division. Remember, in week two, I believe it was, Charles fumbled with like no time left and the Broncos defense won on a walk-off fumble return. Now, that would have been a tie game. They still would have played overtime. So, still a lot to be decided there. But, that's the difference between the Chiefs being the number uh, three seed and the Broncos being the number five as opposed to the number one seed. So uh, you, you, ne- you, you never think about those things when they happen, but the ramifications of that play just you know, are, are widespread throughout the conference. But you got to love the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. Uh, they Even though they're playing on the road in Houston, Houston won the worst division in football. The Colts, Jaguars, and Titans. Titans picking number one overall. The Jaguars have a bright future, but presently they're 5-11. and Colts without Andrew Luck still finished 8-8, eight and eight, but not a very strong team even when he played. So the Titans by default won. I don't want to just discredit the Titans because they have a very strong defense. J.J. Watt, obviously a monster to contain. And Brian Hoyer has shown that he's a capable quarterback, and DeAndre Hopkins had a very strong season. But the Kansas City Chiefs defense has been on a tear of late. It is just—it's just been shutting everyone down. Uh, fantastic! It has actually allowed fewer points than the Denver Broncos, who are widely regarded as the best defense in the league. Another little trivia: Cincinnati has actually allowed fewer points than both of them. So. Let's not discredit the Bengals' defense so quickly either. But the Chiefs' defense has been on a tear. They've won 10. And Alex Smith has had a fantastic year as well. Often regarded as a game manager, that is certainly not the case this year. He has stepped up and played extremely well. Even after their big playmaker, Jamal Charles, went down, they have still just rode along and have been cruising I think they're arguably the hottest team entering the uh, the playoffs, and how can you disagree with that? They're ten and zero, one ten straight. So I, I I like Kansas City to go into Houston and handle the Texans. Yeah, I I like Kansas City as well. I mean, how how can you not? Everything that you just said, a ten game winning streak, a dominant defense, and you know, just to to clarify the, those four point those four uh lowest scoring defenses uh seattle cincinnati kansas city and denver they're all separated by less than a point per game so those are all four of those defenses are are, are very good and the chiefs certainly uh have been riding a ton of momentum 
Uh, I I like that Alex Mack or not Alex Alex Smith uh, has probably uh, the best arsenal of weapons he he's had to throw to and Jeremy Jeremy Macklin and Travis Kelsey those guys are are big time receivers uh, Macklin's had a great year and honestly I, Andy Reid never has never gotten enough credit for for how good a coach he is uh, you know he got kind of got ran out of town in Philadelphia and the Chiefs every year he's been there have just kind of been dismissed, even though this is the second uh, trip to the playoffs uh, out of three years, I believe for, for, for Andy Reid. So third straight winning season, even though they didn't make the playoffs last year. Yeah. So I I have to say it's advantage chiefs, even though they're going into Houston. And like you said, they're facing who the, I still think is the best defensive player in the league. And JJ Watt, if he has a monster game, uh, the Houston Texans do have a chance, but the, the Chiefs have all the momentum. They have the coaching advantage, and they have the they have the quarterback advantage, and they have, uh, in terms of a unit, the defensive advantage. So uh, it's definitely advantage Chiefs, and I'm picking both away teams in, the, in those AFC wildcard matchups. Let's talk about the AFC real quick before we move on to the other two wildcard games. Do you get the sense that the Chiefs and the Steelers are right now better than even the Broncos and Patriots, even though they're the top two seeds in the conference. Yeah, I I get that sense. Uh, maybe I get the sense that, like I said, all, all six of these teams are equal. Maybe um, you know the Broncos have issues at quarterback, but really good defense. Uh, the Patriots uh, have injury issues, but continue to find a way to to stay competitive and win games. Um, but I do, yes, I I think you're right in terms of momentum and health coming into the playoffs. Steelers and Chiefs have the advantage over everybody. They they seem like the most deadly teams in the AFC. Those top seeds uh, did the work to to earn the top seeds, but there there are question marks about those teams. My gut tells me that we might have. I think at least one of them is going to fall. I wouldn't be surprised if it, we have a Chiefs Steelers AFC Championship game. Yeah, uh, I I would not be surprised either. I mean. Both both Chiefs and Steelers recently took it to Denver and and really shredded them and 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 and, and had big wins against Denver. So, yeah, I think the AFC field is very level, and it, I think it's very it, it's a, a strong possibility that the fifth and sixth seed are, are playing in that championship game. I do want to reserve making that an official pick because New England is on a bye. And if they get Julian Edelman or maybe another one, like some of their playmakers back, I, I want to wait and see how the rest helps New England first. Um, I am pretty confident, though, that the Steelers are going to make a run. I just want to, I, I kind of want to wait and see New England. It's not me being a fan. I just want to see if they get some of their playmakers back before I go and pick the two lowest seeds to meet in the AFC Championship game. But I just want to throw that out there that. This is a very intriguing year in the AFC. The The Bengals have quarterback problems. The Texans, I think, are the weakest of these six teams. I'm actually not giving them any chance. I think the Chiefs are going to win. Um, and I think the Chiefs and the Steelers are arguably more deadly than the two teams on a bye. Yeah, I, I, I am leaning towards that way and, and agreeing with you. Um, the, the Patriots have the greatest chance to kind of rally back and, and – uh, make a run if they can use that week to get healthy especially like you said julian edelman and uh, a couple guys on the offensive line as well might be able to come back uh, after the bye week so we'll, ha- we'll have to see about that but yeah I, I i 
I think we both have that feeling that fifth and sixth seeds are look like very deadly teams in the AFC. So in, in, in essence, uh, the AFC is going to be very fun to watch. The NFC is also going to be very entertaining. The Green Bay Packers dynasty atop the NFC North ended on Sunday when the Minnesota Vikings went into Lambeau and knocked them off. They are riding a three-game win streak. They are the number three seed in the NFC, and their reward is the two-time defending conference champion Seattle Seahawks who throttled the Arizona Cardinals, who are still playing for something, by the way, on Sunday to ensure that they would uh, finish with a 10-win season. At the time, they had a chance to move up to five, but they needed Green Bay to win to do that. That did not happen. So there's a sixth seed. It's, I mean, Seattle's got to be the best sixth seed you've seen in a while, and that's saying something because we just talked about Pittsburgh. But, I mean, how, how, how unlucky is that? You're Minnesota, you win the division, you get a home game, and your reward is the team that's won your conference the last two years, starting to figure things out. Bob, who do you like in this game? I, I have to like Seattle. You, you mentioned that they throttled Arizona 36-6. Four weeks ago, they throttled Minnesota 38-7. to um, the, the Minnesota does not want to play this game because they got absolutely embarrassed the last time these two got, came together. Now there's news that Marshawn Lynch might be healthy for this game. He's at least practicing. Uh the Seahawks have gotten their act together. I know they fumbled away the the loss uh, week 16 against the Rams, but Russell Wilson is airing the ball out. That defense is back at it. I mean, in terms of total defense yards per game, they rank second. Total defense passing yards per game, they rank second. Rushing yards per game, they're first as a defensive unit. And then points per game, they're first as well. So, you know, any talk about the Legion of Boom going away, I, I think that they're back. they 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 seem to be riding a lot of momentum. They probably have a chip on their shoulder as well because a lot of people are ready to pronounce them dead maybe halfway through the season. Uh Seahawks are very deadly and honestly I think they're going to that they're going to handle Minnesota very easily. They're built to stop the run. Teddy Bridgewater is not built to beat those big corners on on the outside with it, with his arm. Uh, I I think it's definitely advantage Seattle. This is the game I'm least interested in because I think Minnesota is going to get throttled. I think Seattle is going to do to them what they did a few weeks back. Uh, Minnesota it has a good future. I like Teddy Bridgewater, but right now I don't think they have enough weapons on offense to make that Seattle defense afraid of them. In order to beat Seattle, you need to spread them out. You can't run right up the gut. They're kind of like the that Alabama defense in the sense that if you if you only do one thing, they're gonna crush you. You know you have to be able to spread them out and loosen them up, loosen them up and make them respect a couple of weapons in the passing game to set things up for your running back. Going at them head on and just trying to run Adrian Peterson up the gut is not gonna work. They're too ferocious. They're too strong. Um, if Teddy Bridgewater has the game of his life, I think they'll win. But I, I just don't think he's at that point just yet, and I think Seattle's going to go in there and take care of business and show everyone that they were not dead, they were never dead, they're back, and they're better than ever, and Marshawn Lynch potentially could play if that happens, I mean, it's over. It, we are going to see, arguably, the two best running backs in the NFL, Peterson and Lynch, go at it, but other than that, this matchup is not that intriguing. Good job, Minnesota, for getting to the playoffs. They were one of my sort of sleeper picks 
But at the same time, I think it's going to be a very brief stay. I think Seattle wins this game handily. Yeah, definitely. Just to you know, throw out some numbers from the, from the last time they met just a few weeks ago. That was in Minnesota, so they have no Seattle's no problem going back into Minnesota and laying down the hammer. Adrian Peterson only 18 yards rushing. The Vikings as a whole only 31 yards total rushing. Oh uh, Seattle gosh. seems to have their number. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> If you're if you're relying on AP to to carry the load, I don't think he's going to be able to do it against Seattle. That certainly could change. Uh, you know, he's one of the best running backs ever. But just going off the evidence I had just four weeks ago, uh, it, it looks like Seattle's going to handle this game easily. And you can't even say that the twelfth man played a factor. As you said, it was in Minnesota, and they throttled them. They they destroyed them. They mopped them off the field. I, again, I think it could be closer than that, but. I think Seattle's going to win handily. I think that they're going to, and and it would set up a very fun divisional showdown with Carolina because those two teams do not like each other. It'll be a that would be a fun match. I hope that matchup materializes because it'll be a fun game. Yeah, that certainly would. And uh, they delivered one of the most memorable games of the season when uh, Carolina came into Seattle and, and mounted a comeback in the fourth quarter. All right, well let's look let's look at that last wild card game, Green Bay versus Washington. Can't believe Washington is in the playoffs. I also can't believe that Green Bay is a wild card. Uh, just from the way they started, uh, they really have fallen off of late. Chris, this is, when I look at it, I still don't think this is an even matchup. But honestly, this could be a very close game, I think. Washington has won four straight, which is kind of impressive. They were 5-7 and seven at one point. Four straight, won the division. Obviously, the shocker of the NFL I had them picking number two overall in our preseason predictions, so you can see I'm pretty shocked that they're. I, I think I said they were. I think I said they were the worst team in yeah, the NFL. Yeah, we both were not very fond of Washington in the preseason. So kudos to them for stepping up, and kudos to Kirk Cousins for having a fantastic year. The Packers were my preseason pick to win the NFC, and as much as I would love for Seattle to win and send Green Bay to Arizona for a fantastic showdown between Aaron Rodgers and Carson Palmer I am not going to pick the Packers to win because I think they are falling apart I think that they are struggling more than they're letting on Washington is excellent at home they're six and two at home as opposed to three and five I think Captain Kirk and the Washington Redskins are going to pull what many would consider is an upset over Green Bay and advance in the playoffs yeah I I think um, I, I said it before, but I think this is the toughest game to pick. I could see it going either way. Kirk Cousins, like you said, has had a great year. Uh, now has is the single-season passing holder for the Washington Redskins franchise. Uh, who would have thought that was coming uh, over 4,100 yards passing? So uh, really, that that's an impressive job by him. Uh, I think I have to agree with you. Uh, Washington at home, Green Bay just doesn't seem to have it and they haven't had it for probably the, the second half of the season ever since uh they went head to head against the broncos they, they seem to have just lost their mojo and lost their way uh rogers he's running out of weapons the the guys that were reliable at the start of the season james jones notably uh, hasn't been coming through of late so yeah i think washington not only is going to surprise by having a winning record winning the nfc east but they're also going to surprise by by winning a playoff game as well yeah and i think the jordy nelson loss weared on green bay as the season went on i think that the jordy nelson loss combined with a 
really lack of production out of the running game. It's been very inconsistent. Yeah. They have not been very balanced on offense. Uh, I think that's hurt them, and I think they're going to struggle to go on the road and win. I think Washington's going to win this game. And the Packers were at 1.7-0. and They finished the year 3-6. and uh, The second half of the season, just very unkind to them. A couple of division guys. I mean, Detroit won in Green Bay for the first time since uh, 1991. Minnesota won in Green Bay to take the division from them. You know, they had been, it's not that they were just losing. They were losing the teams that they historically beat and beat handily at home. So that's the alarming part to me. I think the Packers are the weakest team coming into the postseason as far as momentum goes. I think the I think Washington is going to uh, going to beat them. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not changing my pick. But all that being said, the Packers still have Aaron Rodgers. All things are possible. Very true. He can he can and, certainly and Clay Matthews. They have they have some playmakers. I'm not we're not saying they don't, but uh, I think Washington's going to win. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know they've had Aaron Rodgers this whole time, and they haven't been able to win. So. Uh, I don't really see things are going to change all of a sudden. So I'm picking Washington as well. So uh, obviously only 12 teams make the NFL playoffs. But Bob, do you feel sorry for anyone who didn't make the NFL playoffs? Do you think there's a team out there who maybe got a raw deal or should be in instead of somebody else? I can think of one off the top of my head. What about you? Uh, There's one that... Could that I would I'm sad that isn't playing, but I don't think they got a raw deal. That's the New York Jets. I think they had the talent. They they had the situation. That if they only they had beaten Buffalo in Week 17, they would have had that sixth seed over uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I don't feel sorry for them because they 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 messed it up themselves. Um, that being said, I think they're the only team on the outside looking in that was really deserving of of making the playoffs. I agree with that 100%. I actually think the Jets are better than the Texans, and if it wasn't for the division format, they should be in instead of the Texans. I'm not complaining for the Jets because, as you said, all they had to do was beat Buffalo once. Remember, they lost to them twice, so Rex Ryan is doing some cartwheels uh, right now, sticking it to his former team not once but twice and keeping them out of the playoffs. But, yeah, I agree with you. I don't feel sorry for them because anytime you don't take care of your own business, it's your own fault. So they should have stepped up and won the game. But I do think they are more talented than the Houston Texans. And if all things were fair, they'd be in there instead of Houston. Yeah, definitely. And now that's two consecutive years. Ryan Fitzpatrick has had a winning record, yet still he has never played in a postseason <laughs> game. I feel bad for him because I, Wasn't in he, terms he of journeyman. He was with Houston last year, too. Yeah. And now, the, yeah, now Houston is in with a worse record than the Jets. He just, he seems to be cursed, but uh, they've had a great year. I, I've really, uh, I really liked seeing the Jets kind of transform themselves and turn themselves into a passing game. Uh, the trades for Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brandon Marshall, I think, were a sixth and fifth pick round picks uh, to get those two guys onto your team. I don't know why half the league didn't make those deals or even up those rounds by, by a couple rounds. Cause overnight they, they, they invented an offense for themselves and, and uh, very impressive. I think that was the deal of the year. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I understand Brandon Marshall. I don't know why more teams didn't go after him. That was in the, one of the steals of the off season, getting him for cheap. Yeah, certainly. All right, we both mentioned that the Washington Redskins are arguably the biggest surprise of the NFL. But other than them, 
Bob, is there somebody else who surprised you this year? Is there a team that kind of stands out? Maybe a team that overachieved or underachieved? Uh, any other surprises this year? Um, my, I guess the, for me the the biggest surprise has been the one uh, since since really week one, and that's been the Baltimore Ravens. The fact that they're sitting at five eleven. Uh, I know they got hit by injuries, and it just got they continued to pile on them. But that wasn't always the case early in the year. Um, I, I'm really surprised that they're sitting at a five and eleven record. Uh, you know, they still had talent. They had Justin Forsett and Joe Flacco for most of the year. Forsett, well, both of them eventually getting injured, but uh, it, it was just surprising how quickly the they fell off the tracks. I believe you picked them to go to the Super Bowl, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's kind of crazy, kind of crazy. I think 14 of their games were decided by eight points or less or something crazy like that. So a little bit unlucky too, but there are a couple of good candidates out there. You know, the Raiders and the Chargers, Raiders being 7-9, and nine, I don't think many people had that. Uh, the Chargers being 4-12, and 12, I don't think many people had that. Uh, you know, and then you could go in St. Louis. I think people expected some things of them. I know I had them in the playoffs, but my surprise would be the Buffalo Bills. I did not think that they would go eight and eight this year, even though they had a winning record last year. Um, I, I thought that they might be in for a step back. There was a lot of quarterback questions. Tyrod Taylor had a very good year for them, and you know the, Rex Ryan. I've always been a little critical of him as a coach, but. He has had success in this league. He took the Jets to two AFC Championship games. He generally is well-liked by his players. So maybe he's got the Bills turned around a little bit. Uh, that was kind of a light surprise for me to see them at 500. I didn't necessarily think they'd win eight games. I didn't think they'd be terrible, but I didn't necessarily think they'd win eight games. So they were kind of a surprise. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, they, they, they've had talent for the last couple of years. Um and they started off pretty strong, uh, but it, it is surprising that they had a, a as good a year as they had. All right, Bob, let's hand out some awards. Who would you give the Rookie of the Year to? This is a competitive category. So um, just to clarify, we're overall Rookie of the Year, not offensive, defensive? Yeah, overall Rookie of the Year. Uh, you know, if it's overall, it's hard to go defense, but I, I think I have to give Demarcus Peters. He's playing on a playoff team, one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs cornerback, by the way, uh, eight interceptions and two touchdowns. Uh, he seems to be the real deal at cornerback. Uh, you can make a strong argument for a couple guys, but I think he uh, is has proven that he's he's here to he's legit, and I think he deserves Rookie of the Year. Yeah, this is a tough. I think Peters will definitely win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Todd Gurley had a great rushing year. I believe he was third in the league in rushing, even though he didn't really play for four or five games. And I think that's impressive in and of itself. He's got some competition, though. I mean, you've got uh, Mariota, but his team's picking number one overall. But you go over to Tampa Bay, James Winston, I mean, you know, he has the win column right there at 6-10, and 10, so at least an improvement there. I think they're going to give it to Todd Gurley. I mean, Gurley has the big numbers. Uh, third, third in the league in rushing. I don't see how he doesn't win the offensive side. I think Marcus Peters had a fantastic rookie year too. Um, if we are going because the NFL does split the awards, I think we just named the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Um, but certainly there, there are some other candidates out there. I, I wouldn't be. I think the offensive side is going to be very competitive. Um, Bob, now. This, this, these get a little tricky. The offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, and MVP. I think it's safe to say the defensive player of the year won't be MVP. 
who do you think the defensive player of the year will be? Call me a broken record, man, but I got to go back to J.J. Watt, Houston Texans. He has the sack title again this year, 17 and a half sacks that leads the league. Uh, it's not just that, though. He has 50 quarterback knockdowns. The The second place, uh, the player that came in second place only has 37. So he continues to be the best defensive lineman and I think the best player uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I could understand voter fatigue, uh, voting for him again. He's starting to kind of oversaturate you in terms of endorsements and ads and maybe personality-wise, but I think uh, it's not even close that he's the best player on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. You pretty much said everything that I'd say about uh, J.J. Watt. I think he's got the big name. He has the big stats, and his team's in the playoffs this time around. I think he will win Defensive Player of the Year. Um, Switching it up, my Offensive Player of the Year is going to go to Antonio Brown. I know Julio Jones has more yards than he does, but and actually the same amount of receptions that he does. But 10 touchdowns, 1,800 yards, 1,834, just a dynamic receiver. He's uncoverable. They, the Browns try to double-team him all day, and he still gashed them for everything. I would give it to Antonio Brown. I think that he has had a stellar year, stellar two seasons, really. And so it's kind of a way to recognize how great he's been over the last couple of years. I think right now he's the best receiver in the NFL. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in total, total agreement with you. Uh Antonio Brown definitely is the best offensive player in the NFL right now. Uh, the only player in NFL history to have two consecutive 125-plus reception uh, re- receptions in, in, in two consecutive seasons. Uh, his yardage total of this season is fourth uh, uh, fourth of all time. Uh, coincidentally, Julio Jones is second, uh, but he only had him beat by 40 yards. Uh, the thing that separates it for me between Jones and Brown is one, Antonio Brown is still an electric punt returner. He has a he had a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, that memorable celebration. I don't know if you remember that when he kind of jumped onto the pole. Um, he has that going for him. And Le'Veon Bell went down, and Ben Roethlisberger met, missed time. And Antonio Brown still has these monster stats. Imagine what he could have done if Roethlisberger didn't miss those games in the middle when he only posted you know, 40 yards in a game and 45 yards, 24 yards. Uh, he, he could have eclipsed 2000, I think if, if, if Roethlisberger were healthy. So I think he's offensive player of the year. I don't think it's even close. Do we even have to ask who the MVP is? It's Cam Newton. Yeah, it's Cam Newton though. If the Cardinals won and the Panthers lost, you could make a strong argument for Carson Palmer, That's but, true. uh, because of the blowout, uh, that the Cardinals suffered and because, the Panthers rolled to a 15-1 record. Uh, yeah, it's Cam Newton, and it really has been his for uh, the last latter half of the season. He's only passed more touchdowns as the, the year has worn on, which I think was the biggest criticism of him. So it's his to lose. He, he accounts for a ridiculous percentage of the Panthers' offensive production. Uh, absolutely, he's the MVP. The Arizona Cardinals and Carson Palmer is my favorite story of the NFL playoffs, not tied to a team I cheer for. I think everyone on this podcast who listens to this regularly knows I'm a Patriots fan, so I will be cheering for them. But if the Patriots don't win, I am pulling for Arizona. I would love for Carson Palmer to... He has had an, a roller coaster career, to say the least. For him to kind of pull a Kurt Warner and find revival in Arizona 
and lead them to a Super Bowl victory would be nothing short of fantastic for a guy who really, I think, is our generation's lost quarterback. In 2005, as I said before, that ACL tear, he looked like he was going to be the next big name. I mean, not, not this is before Aaron Rodgers. He was going to be the man. And then injuries just derailed him in Cincinnati. He had an odd couple years in Oakland. And finally, in Arizona, is starting to regain some of that form that he had 10 years ago. It would be pretty special if Carson Palmer were to sort of put a stamp on what was a a roller coaster career and kind of an odd career uh, with a lot of peaks and valleys. And it would be nice if he were to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, he definitely gets lost in the shuffle when you're talking about uh, all the elite quarterbacks that we have in the league right now. You know, the sad thing is uh, he, he's going to miss out on MVP. He's had a deserving season. He's going to miss out on, on comeback player of the year as well, uh, coming back from an ACL tear because Eric Berry uh, is recovering from cancer, chemotherapy, and he made the Pro Bowl this year. I don't think there's any question that he is comeback player of the year uh, for the NFL. So, uh, again, Carson Palmer is going to get a little snubbed and be forgotten in award season. So hopefully he can make that up in the Super Bowl. Don't be surprised if they award him Offensive Player of the Year instead of Antonio Brown as a way to honor his season. That might not be fair to Antonio Brown, but it certainly is a possibility. Yeah, uh, that that's a, a possibility. I think that'd be a shame because what Antonio Brown has done is, is uh, pretty impressive, even more so than what Carson Palmer has done. I know, and I, I think it would be a shame too, but we all know quarterbacks do get a little bit of special treatment. Yeah, they do. That's 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 sad, but they, they essentially have their own award now. It's the MVP. I, I, you know, offensive player of the year, I, I really do think, should be geared towards running backs, wide receivers, and, and really you know, offensive linemen even if you wanted to. No, certainly. I mean, there are offensive linemen who have been worthy of that award. I think those guys get overlooked all the time I mean there needs you know I, I I would want Antonio Brown to win that award just knowing you know anyone who follows the NFL knows that if you're a quarterback you have an edge when it comes to these postseason awards so yeah yeah quarterbacks have that advantage for sure a handicap um any other awards you want to give out not really um but the awards we're about to give out are not ones that you want to get. And we're talking about NFL Black pink slips. Monday. They're pink slips. And so far, as of this recording, obviously it's a very fluid situation. But as of this recording, there are six job openings in the NFL. Uh, three of them occurred before Black Monday. The Titans fired Ken Wisenhunt. The Eagles fired Chip Kelly right before the last game of the season. The Dolphins filed Joe Philbian. Uh, after a one and three start, so that was really early in the year. But Black Monday, uh, three other teams uh, joined the party. Uh, 49ers fired Jim Thomasula uh, after only one season. The Browns fired Mike Pettin and GM Ray Farmer. Uh, they named uh, Sashi Brown to executive VP of football operations. I know Browns fans are really happy about that, by the way. And then the big one, though, to me is. Tom Coughlin, after 12 years, resigns uh, as coach of the Giants. Uh, the guy has two Super Bowl rings, only one of 13 head coaches with two Super Bowl rings. Uh, so that's obvious, That's a very big 
news. That's very big news and a very big loss for the Giants, in my opinion, because he has been the mo- one of the models of consistency in the NFL, him and Bill Belichick. And now he is gone. It's sort of an end of an era. And people forget before the Giants, he helped build Jacksonville up. They won 14 games one year under him, two AFC Championship game appearances. And that was just in their first like five or six years as a franchise, much less, uh, you know, you know, it's hard enough to win in this league. They were an expansion team, and Conklin took them yeah. to the top. So uh, an excellent head coach. Uh, Bob, you know, looking at these firings, you know, I guess what are your thoughts from the – and compared to years past, relatively light Black Monday so far. Yeah, relatively light. Uh, you know, we're still kind of waiting on, on Jim Caldwell and Chuck Pagano, what's going to come to light of that. If You know, that'll move it up to eight, which then means a quarter of the league is looking for a coach. So – uh, kind of for me, it, it seems kind of a, a typical year, m- maybe one or two uh, less than than what we're typically seeing. Uh, Tom Coughlin, like you said, uh, one of the, one of the best coaches the last fifteen years. He, he used those two Super Bowl wins uh, really to re-sign and, and and to punch his ticket for to re-up for four more years. You know, there was kind of talk of maybe. The Giants were gearing up for another Super Bowl run. It just wasn't there. And, you know, the writing was kind of on the wall for Tom Coughlin. He's getting up there in age. Giants have, have kind of struggled in, in the last couple of years. So uh, sad to see him go, but the Giants have a really good offense. So th- that's an attractive option. Uh, Browns are a train wreck. We'll, we'll d- dive into that mess in, in a Klee talk uh, if if you really want to hear what uh, what we really have to say about that. Uh, a couple of surprising ones, Jim Tom Sula after a year, uh, you know, him and Jim Harbaugh apparently didn't get along. I thought the hiring was strange to begin with this defensive line coach that wasn't on anyone else's shortlist. So um, really, really, uh, it's not a good look to fire your coach after one year and, and for the 49ers to do that. It, it's That's not a good look. And then for me, uh, the cards seem to be aligning for Chip Kelly to go straight to Tennessee and to coach Marcus Mariota. Uh, Titans fired Ken Wisenhut. Eagles fired Chip Kelly. I, I think Kelly's heading to Nashville, and that's uh, I'm assuming that that's going to happen. Yeah, a couple other things. Uh, the Cowboys said Jason Garrett will stay. The Chargers said Mike McCoy will stay. And the Jaguars said Gus Bradley will stay. Those were three coaches that maybe could have gotten the X as well. Their teams have confirmed, at least they've said publicly, that they will not be making a change. Um, and you're right, the, the big ones just waiting in the wings are the Lions and the Colts. Unless a playoff team loses and maybe pulls a shocker and fires someone, the only team I maybe could see doing something like that would be Cincinnati. But they've kept Marvin Lewis for so long, and he has them five straight years in the postseason that would really shock me if they pulled that trigger um, right as he has that franchise on the up and up. And I don't think it yeah. would be his fault if they lost. Yeah, uh, uh, of all the years to fire him, he, he kind of has an excuse for, for if the Bengals do lose uh, against the Steelers. You know, he, he does have an excuse this time going in. Uh, I could also see Jay Gruden maybe getting fired. Uh, There's a lot of tension early in the year uh, with him and the ownership. Uh Firing him after a nine and seven record and winning the division is, would be a very hard sell for for a fan base that's not particularly happy with the ownership. But uh, he was on the hot seat, and and they could kind of pull a shocker and and get a guy that they actually want. 
Yeah, I think that would be a little more surprising. He got a lot out of Kirk Cousins. I think they maybe have a good relationship now. Things are settled in. Um, that would surprise me a little more, especially since they've grossly overexceeded expectations. One fun little trivia about Tom Coughlin. His tenure in Jacksonville ended with a 19-29 and record. That's the exact same record he has in the last three seasons with the Giants. So the last three seasons have been identical, 7-9, and 6-10, 6-10. Uh, in both uh, stints and in both teams he coached for. I thought that was a fun little statistic to throw out there. Yeah, that's, I guess, kind of a little bit poetic. Um, any last thoughts on the the coaching aspect? Uh, we never made a Super Bowl pick. Do you want to rehash that? I honestly don't know. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm scared to make a pick right now because – I see three teams on the NFC side and about four teams on the AFC side that can do it. And I think this year it's just so wide open. I don't want to, like, you know, not make a pick at all, but I feel like I'd change it next week or my team might lose this week too. I don't know. Yeah, well, we, we always make a pick, so, you know. We do always make I'm a not, pick. I'm not going to hold you accountable because I'm in the same boat with you. but um, Well, both of my Super Bowl teams are still alive. I think the Packers are going to lose this week, though. Um, I am going to take the Patriots because I picked them to win in the preseason. I'm not going to jump off the bandwagon just yet. Uh, so I'll take the Patriots over the Cardinals. That's a good pick. Uh, I, I like both those. Um, I have one horse still in the race from uh, – way back in February of last year. That's Seattle. I, I like their chances to make a run. So I, I'm still picking them to go to the Super Bowl for a third time to win that. And I like the Steelers to get hot, to throw the ball a lot, and to just kind of make a run as well. That would be two six-seeds meeting. So I don't know if history is on my side. And but... it would be a rematch of that 2005 Super Bowl where Pittsburgh won it as a six-seed. Oh yeah, that would be very that would be poetic as well. So, um, I think this is the year if two six seeds are going to make the runs. Uh, I think on both sides, really, uh, the playoffs are are pretty wide open. So, uh, yeah, Steelers or Seahawks in the Super Bowl. One other thing, it is Super Bowl Fifty this year. The Steelers have played in Super Bowls ten. 30 and 40 they did not play in super bowl 20 though they played in 10 30 and 40 they always seem to get it together on those 10 years you know what i mean every 10 super years bowl, on the round bowl numbers L. yeah so this year would be the year of the steelers if they were to pull it off um so We'll see. I mean, there are a lot of, lot of things to like. If the, if the Seahawks were to get there, they'd be the first team since the Buffalo Bills to get the three straight Super Bowls. Uh, not a, not an easy thing to do, and I believe the Buffalo Bills are the only team to do that. I, I Actually, I, I'd have to look that up, but um, they were definitely the first since Buffalo to get the three straight Super Bowls. Yeah, that would be impressive. You know, Bills obviously went to four in a row. So, uh, oh, and four, could, too. Yeah. So... <laughs> That, that talk about heartbreak yeah there, there's a good documentary about that on netflix if you want to watch that all righty man any other thoughts from the nfl season um no i think i think we covered most of it uh i, I guess a, a couple teams that we didn't really talk about just really quickly the dolphins you know made a huge splash in the off season really disappointing year fired their coach six and ten bottom of the division Cowboys bottom of the division injuries and then the Falcons starting off six and one 
to finish eight and eight. They looked like a team destined to, to make the playoffs and, and didn't. So uh, a couple additional disappointments that, that we kind of glossed over. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, all of those are good teams worth uh, mentioning, especially uh, Miami. That defense after signing Ndamukong Sue uh, had a lot of expectations on it. And then uh, let's just say they didn't really live up to them. No, no, they did not. Um, but yeah, it, it's been, it was a really good year. A uh, lot of excitement. I, I know we had so many undefeated teams heading into the end, but uh, it, we don't have any heading in the playoffs. So it, it ended very well. Um a lot of injuries happened uh, that wasn't always fun to watch, but a lot of guys stepped up and a lot of teams surprised. So I think it was a great, great season uh, as always. I'm just checking one thing online here, trying to find if, uh... yeah, I had a feeling, yeah, the Miami Dolphins went to three straight in the 70s, 72, 73, and 74. I had a feeling there was another team. That's why I stuttered before I said Baltimore was the only one. The Dolphins did it too. And then, of course, Green Bay went to three straight championships. They went to the first two Super Bowls and then the year before went to the NFL championship. So uh, they went to three straight finals, but it wasn't the Super Bowl then. So, But the Dolphins also went to three straight Super Bowls in the 70s. I just wanted yeah. to double-check that to make sure that, uh, you know, to correct myself yeah. because I, I, I knew that I had a feeling there was another team there. Sure. And just to clarify, you uh, when you were talking, you said Baltimore. You're talking about the Buffalo Bills. Uh, oh yes, the Buffalo Bills. Three straight Super Buffalo Bowls. Bills, not Baltimore. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. So uh, NFL wrap up. Unfortunately, we do have one final story, and that's everything that's surrounding Peyton Manning. Uh, he got reinserted in the game in Week 17 and brought the Broncos back to victory. Uh, chances he he might start in the playoffs, uh, but big story surrounding him right now is all this HGH controversy, uh, part of an Al Jazeera report in a documentary. The reporter has since retracted those allegations, but now there's there's more news coming out that uh, the reporter had a second source that confirmed the HGH uh, being sent to the Manning house when he was recovering from neck surgery. Uh, Chris, uh, I, I know you had a couple things to say about it, but just what what, what are you making of all this? Well, first off, let's, let's be clear. Um, we got to get the story straight. Uh, if the reporter truly had a second source, if the report's accurate, uh, you don't want to just uh, rush to judgment on any of these things. But the, the fact of the matter is uh, NFL players, not just Peyton Manning, they kind of get a free pass when it comes to this kind of stuff. If, if this were baseball, people would be talking about banning Peyton Manning from the Hall of Fame and not even considering him, uh, even even in a, in a legend case like this. And, and not just an allegation, a, a serious allegation. You know, I mean, a reporter doing a job, uh, having two sources. I, I think that that's something that is uh, a little more serious than somebody just, you know, having an axe to grind. Uh, again, got to check the validity, got to make sure everything's airtight, and and st- he's still denying it. And but it's not as big of a story as maybe it would be in baseball. And I just think that it's weird that. Uh, HGH and, and perform performance enhancing drugs don't move the needle as much when NFL players are linked to them. Yeah, there's definitely definitely a, a different standard. Um, you can't even make the argument that you know the, the MLB players there was such a witch hunt for for the steroid users it was because they were breaking so many of these records. Well, Peyton Manning owns a lot of records, so <laughs> exactly. you're talking about tarnishing the record book. Uh, if these allegations are true, uh, 
that's really sad and they need to be taken more seriously i think it, they need to be given more attention especially uh with the news of the second source coming out and, and that uh i don't think that he's getting the the amount of attention that that like you said a, a mlb player would have gotten in, in the same situation well and and even if it was only during his denver broncos days that 2013 season he destroyed nfl records i mean the passing book was rewritten that year and he won an mvp in a landslide so that right there i mean if these are true these are serious allegations against a Hall of Famer, surefire Hall of Famer, and one of the 10 best quarterbacks of all time, at least. Um, so, yeah, this is this is a big story if this story, if the report ends up being true. And it, it pro- if this were a baseball story, it would definitely be getting a lot more coverage than it's getting. And I, I, never, I don't understand why, you know, one sport, it's, you know, just looked at so differently than another, especially when you have a player like Peyton Manning who holds a lot of NFL records. Again, I, you know, we're not trying to trash on Peyton Manning. We're, we're giving him his due. Uh, we want to make sure the report is accurate. We don't just want to jump to conclusions here. But these are serious allegations. And if it's proven that he took a banned substance and essentially cheated the game, uh, yeah, it's a huge deal. And the NFL would be faced with a a nightmare scenario because the last person they want linked to this kind of stuff would be their poster boy, Peyton Manning. Yeah, definitely. It, I mean, the NFL always seems to have nightmare situations going for them, but this <laughs> would mean, just be a, another disaster in another year for them. Um, you know, regardless uh, of whether these uh, allegations turn out to be completely true or if they completely go away, uh, the damage has already been done those rumors are going to circulate Peyton Manning's head uh, throughout the rest of his career. Even after he retires, I don't, I don't think he's going to be as marketable as he was just a month ago. Uh, and so if it turns out that they are completely false, uh, that's really unfortunate because he truly is one of the best quarterbacks to play. Uh, and it's unfortunate that the, these HGH rumors will now f- can haunt him forever. I think right now he's fine. Nobody's really talking about it. I think the report would have to gain some steam and, you know, produce some smoke that people couldn't avoid. I think right now, I mean, honestly, people are willing to brush it under the rug and discredit the journalist. Um, But if this report gains steam, then yeah, he's got a major problem. I I think he'll be okay uh, because I think if he retires at the end of the year, like most people think he's going to do, and this report doesn't gain any legs, any more legs, uh, I think he'll be fine. But if it does, uh, he, he's going to have uh, he's gonna have some serious questions to answer. And, you know, it, it will be an interesting time uh, if the report comes true. Man, I mean, you, you have last year's playoffs, Tom Brady, with the whole deflate gate thing, and now this year's playoffs, Peyton Manning. It's like, it's like every other year, like Man- Brady tears his ACL, then Manning sits out for a season because of his neck. It's like they kind of volley back and forth with, with things that they do in every realm of their career. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Um, yeah, that that is pretty interesting. So I guess next year it's Brady's turn to do something weird. Well, I mean, he he would have already done something weird with the deflate gate. Oh yeah. So so now the score is even. So hopefully there's no more weirdness from either of them. They just play football and everything's cool. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Um, the the air is coming to end for for both of them. So hopefully this is it in terms of drama, and we can just enjoy them in the limited time that we have with both of them. St-
still a chance for a Brady Manning AFC Championship game this year. There's always a chance for that when they're both uh, on opposite ends of the brackets. But we won't get to that if until it possibly comes to fruition a few weeks from now. And that is all the time we have on the NFL, or for any subject for that matter. We've talked a lot. We told you we had a lot to catch up on. We took a week off, so we figured we'd uh, make up for it by giving you guys two podcasts this week to catch up on college football, the NFL, and a bunch of other sports that we missed during the break. So thank you guys for listening once again. Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or subscribe on iTunes. Just search Fenley Road Sports. Come to FenleyRoadSports.com. We're going to roll out some new content for you this year. We've got some big things planned. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. It's year two of FenleyRoadSports.com, and we are so happy to share it all with you. Please join the conversation with us. Join our neighborhood. Hit the contact button on FenleyRoadSports.com. Send us an email, feedback, criticism. Be gentle, though. But Or if you want us to just talk about a anything on what are you talking about, shoot us an idea. We'll run it by one another and try to get it out for you because we want to make this podcast more interactive with our fans. So please, join us on FenleyRoadSports.com. Follow us on social media and come back for more What Are You Talking About. We'll be back next week. Bob, it's fun as always. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Take it easy.